0: these days, of brewing that the focus remains the focal point of my Hello and welcome to the rambling runner podcast i 'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives and This show was presented by Ragnar relays. If you don't have a marathon this fall, you may be searching for something exciting to do with you and your friends, and there is no better thing to do than the Ragnar Relays. You either do a road race or a trail race. You get 8 to 12 people run a crazy distance, but you can chop it up and do just a little bit of a time, you and your friends. And I'll tell you what, it's just a wonderful experience. Not only is it a race that anybody of any entry level or any experience level, I should say, within running can compete in but it's just a way of bonding with you and your friends, and you can save 80 bucks. That's right, 80 bucks if you use code Rambling19 at checkout. Just go to RunRagnar.com and use code Rambling 19 to save 80 bucks on your next relay race. So today's episode is with Sean Nakamura. This guy, what, a stud. I mean, my goodness. This guy has a run streak of over 3000 days. That's right. 3000 days. And that basically go- goes to the beginning of when he started running. And you're going to love that part of the story. This guy used to be a big time weightlifter and you can see it in the pictures that he has. He is still very strong, but he is one heck of a runner. Now he's going to be doing I think he basically races every weekend (laughs) and he does it in the ultra community. Nonetheless, this guy's race schedule this year is just remarkable. He just finished Leadville 100 and he has plenty more on the calendar as well. That's the thing about this guy. He, he, you know, it's a testament to, sh- to just what consistency and dedication and just having a positive, generous spirit can bring you in any endeavor. And obviously what we talk about is running, but the principles are aligned for basically whatever you want to do. And I was so excited to have him on the show. And I think in a second you will see why. So here with no further ado is my conversation with Sean Nakamura hello sean and welcome to the rambling runner podcast what's up matt man you are just killing it and i know that's not a uh, a new thing you've been doing it for a while but it's so fun watching you progress through a number of ultra marathons uh over the past you know shoot i shouldn't say recently because like i said you've been doing it for so long but you just had the Angeles crest you're on for more you're on to more soon first thing is man How do you recover so quickly between races? Because it feels like you just have them stacked like dominoes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, I'm actually feeling pretty good, surprisingly. So uh, it's definitely a good thing. Um, You know, I'd say like the recovery process, uh, it starts just like if you you take a look at having, you know, a bunch of hundred milers in a row. You're looking at essentially recovery, uh, as your, your main objective, um, probably even more so than getting through the races themselves. You know, you're trying to make sure that you don't take stupid risks while you're out there running. Um, you're, you're, you're thinking about just, um, you know, all your, your, your workouts and, um, your, your runs are essentially geared towards the longevity of the project or the initiative, whatever you're trying to work towards. And, in this case, um, you know, hammering on this grade eight project, uh, the eight original hundreds is definitely a, a a big a goal for me this year, uh, along with a few others like um, like UTMB, uh, get, getting back to Tahoe two hundred, and then um, taking on this uh, pretty cool uh, Biggs Backyard Ultra Last Man Standing race. So, just going in with the mindset of you know I've done a bunch of the work training to get to this. This point, you know, over the last few years, and um, just really taking the time and um, and learning from, you know, all these years, just that you got to take care of your body after these races. You got to focus on all the areas you would think of, like nutrition, um, rest, like just getting really good amounts of of sleep is critical, um, and then doing smart uh, workouts as you're coming out of these races. Like, don't do crazy, you know. Super fast or super hard effort, anything really in between, um, with, with the exception of maybe a, like a tune up run here or there. Um, it's mostly very uh, easy effort type workouts.
0: I love how you described the races about doing the eight original 100 milers and then a few others, you know, like UTMB, like you're just throwing it in <laughs> there like this like little off, like this little offshoot, like, oh, just a little race um, that I want you about- to put in there.
1: They're bonuses, right? They're like cherries on top, for, for my perspective, anyway. Which
0: speaks to how far you've come, right? Because to to think about it in terms of all right, you know, when you started running a decade or so ago, could you even imagine uttering the sentence that you just that you just said? Yeah, definitely not.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, started starting uh, almost nine years ago. I started running, and um, it was literally just you know. The first week was, can I run even a mile without stopping? And, um, and really just, you know, that compounded. Um, after I decided to, to try to make it a running habit, you know, I, I started a running streak. And that was essentially the sort of 30-day goal. I'm going to run every day for a couple miles. And one thing led to another. And here I am, you know, having run almost nine years in, in a row every single day. And, uh, and even like early on, as I started to run marathons, I I started with like a half marathon and I was like, Oh, I I think I can do that. And, um, and then eventually after a year, you know, you go to marathons and then you go to what else is there. And, um, even back then I I would not have imagined, you know, this year is probably going to be, uh, 15, um, races of a hundred miles or longer that I'll be, uh, attempting and I'm about halfway through that at this point. I just, I wouldn't have imagined that at all. I mean, even a marathon early on the first couple of years, it was like, oh gosh, a marathon is, I mean, that's a big, that's a big distance to cover. So yeah, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. And it goes goes, just goes to show that, you know, it's all very relative to sort of where you are in your fitness and where you are in your life, you know, at any given point. And you know, at some point you're going to be starting, like everybody's going to be starting off their journey and, um, it will change. It, it will evolve. And, uh, you can kind of take it where you want, want to take it, which is really cool. And what about,
0: you know, forming that habit in terms of, you know, setting out for this running streak, you know, you first had that the, your original streak, which was about what, 20 days or so. And then you started up streak number two, a couple of days later. And then, you know, and here we are, right. Shoot. Nine years after that. And you know, three thousand days later, what about that habit formation, which turned into a streak, is so important to you to maintain over the course of this period of time? Because obviously, the habit formed now, right? Like, there isn't—that's <laughs> not the issue anymore. So, what about emphasizing the streak while also emphasizing recovery is so important to you? And how do you make sure that you're not? compromising one for the other
1: yeah that's a great question um there's definitely a balance i mean i I would just firstly say that I, i feel like running every day is is a bit of a give back to to running it's almost like um in a way i'm giving back to like everything that running is given to me by honoring that commitment um to to running a couple miles every day and um and just really, it's a nice time to reflect on uh, even on the shortest of runs, like a short two mile recovery run at an easy effort pace. It's it's still a nice uh, way to sort of de stress and um, and give and give back to that that idea. Um, so so in that way, I think to me to me it's just like a daily you know living breathing just like breathing type of uh, a habit. And, um, I like to honor that and I like to stay committed to that. And it gives back to me, you know, in tenfold, uh, you know, just in terms of who I feel like I've been able to become in terms of, you know, reaching potential, um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and so forth. Um, and then just the community that it's, it's kind of opened, uh, me up to in terms of, you know, people I've met, I've got amazing relationships. I met my wife through, you know, friends of running and, um, just the community is incredible. So, um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's basically, it's that, and, you know, I definitely value sort of commitment and, and dedication and loyalty and those types of qualities. And, um, and so to me, it's sort of, it's being loyal to that concept. Um, it's definitely challenging. So you bring up a great point between, really long distance races. There are some races where I feel like just fine, uh, at, you know, a hundred mile or the day after I'm pretty sore, but I can go and run some, I don't know, eight minute pace or something without too much problem. And then there are other races that just, you know, uh, put me in a bad way and, you know, I'll, I'll be slogging out 15 minute pace runs the next day or two, uh, 15 minute mile pace. And so it really just depends on the circumstances um, and every once in a while, just like everyone else, you kind of, you might twist something, you might kick, you know, a big rock or Superman down the trail or do something s- stupid and you're nursing some sort of little um, issue. And so you just kind of, for, for me, the philosophy is just to go with that and um, to give what, what my body's sort of willing to give me on any given day. And, um, and not to push it too hard unless I'm a hundred percent, like if I'm not feeling a hundred percent, then it's going to be an easier day. Um, and that generally has worked out pretty well. And I'll be honest, like I hadn't, haven't necessarily landed upon that philosophy. Um, it wasn't an instant like light bulb. It's taken many years to kind of realize through experience that that's probably the best uh, strategy for me. Um, so I'd rather get in like, uh, less training, uh, but it being quality and, um, and I, I prefer to be, you know, healthy and then like nursing something and pushing something too hard when it's sort of not the right time. But a lot of those, uh, a lot of those (laughs) runs after like a hundred mile or even a 200 mile are, it's a good two, three, four days of easy, slow, short runs. And just, you know, really trying to get lots of rest, essentially.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Sean. I can appreciate all the things you're saying. But at the same time, you are being extremely humble and modest about your pain threshold when it comes to running through injuries. When you say, like, oh, you know, you turn your ankle a little bit. Dude, you, like, you tore ligaments in your ankle uh, while out on a run. And you kept it going. Which is insane to me. So, so let's just talk about this story about when <laughs> when you when you dislocated your ankle, tore the ligaments. Like, how did this happen? And talk about how you were able to keep going.
1: Oh well, first I should say I'm not a doctor, um, and I, I um, and, and you're right. I mean, there's there's definitely an element to this, which is uh, sort of you can choose to to take your running wherever you want to, and sometimes it's to these deep dark places. Um, the first time I really badly uh, rolled my ankle and I literally ligaments tore and ankle popped. I mean, it made a loud popping noise where everybody around me during this race, there's a mountains to beach uh, marathon and this is like three or four years ago. Uh, basically, there's a hairpin turn after one mile. It's like a really silly uh, course. I don't know why they, they set it up this way, but it's, it's just to make it long enough, I think. My ankle uh, popped. I it was... I was stopping, slowing down for a runner right in front of me because it's all a really fast group in the front, and then they they had this hairpin turn around a cone. Anyway, um, I landed on the back of his heel, and, and there went my ankle. Um, I basically pulled over to the side and was like, "Ah, okay, you know this—that's bad. That's really bad. Uh, I probably have, you know, maybe two hours before it's swollen and I can't actually flex it." And, um, and so I just made a very quick decision in about 30 to 45 seconds. I pulled over to the side, um, you know, the sidewalk and just said like, I'm just going to go until I can't flex my, my ankle anymore. Cause it, it would totally wrecked like the side to side. I would never imagine like trying to pivot once that happened, but I could still flex it, uh, forward and backward, uh, enough to, to run. And, um, I up finishing and, um. I don't know, three, something, three hours and change. And it was, uh, it was very painful. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's just, you assess the situation, you, it, are there bones sticking out? You know, it's like, at what point, what is your threshold? What is, where is your line that you draw for yourself? And, um, and that one happened to, I happened to get through, the, the toughest part was really the following like three to four weeks after that, I think, because it was just, I, I mean, literally I had an ace bandage on for maybe a month of running. And, and I put air quotes around running because it was very slow jogging pace, but, you know, one foot at a time. So it's still technically running. And um, it's just about a willingness to commit to it. You know, decide you're going to do it, no matter how difficult it is. And um, again, you're it's it's very selfish. You're giving that, you're getting back a whole lot from that experience for, for toughing it out. Uh, and I figured that I couldn't get, I couldn't really make it any worse because um, essentially just was going to need to go through that natural process of of uh, of healing. And um, I actually think that blood flowing to a lot of these areas is a good thing, like versus doing like nothing, which is. Typically the recommendations that um, is sort of like the safe recommendations that a lot of people will give. So um, the crazier part about that is I actually had like San Diego 100 mile like I think two or three weeks after that, uh, which I ended up running with that ankle. And uh, I, I literally just had to walk through a few sections that were super technical, but I was able to, to power through the rest of it with the the old ace bandage, uh, strapped on. So the biggest concern there is oh my just, God. just like rolling the ankle again. I mean, you know, it can only make it, it can only be torn so many times before it just needs to heal all the way. And I think I had the San Diego rock and roll marathon squeezed in there as well. So it was a, it was a busy time of year to have a, a bad, bad ankle sprain. So <laughs> there you go.
0: So a week or so after the the first one, after that injury, you had a marathon. And then a week or so later, you had the San Diego 100 miler, which is like when I think about this, you know, so I've had reconstructive ankle surgery because I've broken and sprained my ankle so many times. So I'm definitely familiar with the pain you experienced, which is funny because you the way you phrase it is technically true, right? You're like, all right, well, the blood flow is good. And you know, getting, you know, being, you know, having some movement may have helped the process with the one caveat being, you know, that also is much more painful to do it that way. So have you always had a pretty high pain threshold compared to other people?
1: Oh, God, that's a good question. I, pain threshold, I haven't necessarily, I don't know if I had a lot of conversations with people about this, but I would assume that I have a relatively high pain threshold. Um, in the sense that what would probably stop most people, uh, most sane people, um, if you consider running through that crazy, you know, then, yeah, I would say that's probably on my resume. Um, I've definitely toughed out a lot of difficult runs where my body's just like, how are you how, like, why and how are you possibly attempting this right now? And so at some point, it's just mental, I think, you know, I mean, at some point it's mental. I've had really bad knee injuries where I've not from like, um, not from like form or overuse or anything, but actually like where I've supermaned and I've cracked my knee on, on like rock on trail. Um, so impact related stuff, that's really tough because, um, especially if you have to traverse any kind of downhill terrain. And so it just depends on the injury, depends on what you're trying to run through. Um, I've taken. I've gotten very close to like the the DFL um, type award for a couple of races where I ran injured and I was like, I barely got through, but you just sort of will yourself. Um, and because we, you know, as ultra runners, we signed up for these races so far in advance. You just don't know, like six months from now, eight months from now, am I going to be a hundred percent? Am I going to be, you know, nursing something? You might have made, you know, travel plans, hotel and all this stuff. And, Do you really want to skip it, you know, because maybe you're 75%. And, um, so that's kind of in the mentality, uh, in many cases where it's like, I want to still have that experience, see my friends, cheer people on, even if I'm not going to be competitive, um, it's still going to be an experience that will teach me something. And so I can take, take that, um, take comfort in that. And, um, a lot of times those are my favorite races and experiences where, sort of like, there's no way I should have finished. In fact, I I feel that way about like a lot of races, like even my first hundred miler, I I still don't, I can't believe I I finished that first one where I I literally knew nothing. I, I was completely underprepared from an equipment standpoint. And, um, it was this really crazy race the very first year they did it. And, um, like 19 of us finished out of, uh, I think it was 81 starters. And that was my very first time out there is just, just bonkers. So you just never know. <laughs> you just never know what's going to happen. And I think that that's also something I'm drawn to. Like the challenge, like, can I get through it? Can I figure out a way to, you know, sort of make the make turn this into a, an opportunity, you know, and, and just kind of see it like that. And, and sometimes you just don't make it and it, that's okay too. But, um, at least you kind of give it, give it your all.
0: Sean, I mean, that's crazy because like to to even be one of 19 finishers out of 81 um, total racers, you know, it really just shows the brutality of the sport, but also shows, hey, man, like this is just a very different thing than a typical road race, which you've run plenty of, of as well. So when you first started getting into running and you hit your half marathon, you got your first marathon under your belt, what was the calculus for you trying to decide Whether you wanted to just pursue longer and longer distances or spend more time just increasing your speed over the distances you'd already covered.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's been more of a natural progression of of testing distance. Um, And for me in particular, primarily because I wasn't necessarily very fast. And so I think I I would hit a point where I felt like maybe I'd hit a certain plateau for a little while for a certain race distance. And so like the marathon and, and I would try something to maybe turn the dial a little bit and, um, get a little bit faster. For me, one of the first things I, I would, would try was, um, I was focused on my diet. And so I went through and started thinking more about nutrition and, um, I did a salad streak, which was uh, pretty awesome doing basically a salad every day. And it would just replace like some other less healthy uh, food that I was eating at the time. And and that ended up having like making a huge difference. Um, And then also just, you know, slight dial turns in terms of volume. So maybe just, you know, getting a little bit more distance under my belt and training Um, a small incremental improvements um, that definitely had an impact. And then, um, and there was sort of, well, what else is there? You know, how, how far, um, you know, wh- I didn't even know about like ultra marathons when I was doing regular marathons. And I, um, I learned about, you know, gosh, they have the 50 mile race. So I signed up for that and I didn't know what I was doing. And it was this awesome sort of new, scary experience and just sort of dove right in. And, um, naturally it's sort of, you just keep asking the question like, well, what else is there? and and when I ran that one, I didn't even know there was a hundred mile distance. I didn't even know there was like, you know, Western States, for example. And so you just start like doing some research, you start talking to people, you start learning more about the landscape of, of running these, these various races and you start to learn about the history, uh, which to me is like extremely fascinating and, and in large part why I was so interested in taking on, um, the challenge of the grade eight project this year, um, and uh so so you know once i had sort of done a few hundreds i i'd heard about you know this 200 mile uh race it was going to be non repetitive and i was really excited about that and kind of got hooked in um through one of my friends Candace who uh has you know been putting these on now for this is going to be the 6th year for the Tahoe 200 and um and so there's definitely a part of me that you know as i was taking on those longer distance challenges it was like, well, you know, at the same time, I'm still interested in trying to improve either, um, at a race I've already done where I feel like I've left something on the table and have, you know, so, so so-called unfinished business. (laughs) And I think we've all sort of experienced those races where you're like, man, I could have just done this if I had only done, you know, a few changes, um, or had better weather or something. And so you want to go back, you know, for more and then, there's other things like I, I didn't really initially think I would be fast enough to run at Boston ever. And so I sort of refocused a little bit to try to, to do that and take advantage of some of my fitness over time and, and finally was able to uh, put together some, some races that were fast enough to go and qualify for Boston. And I think just like anybody else, you sort of, you pick and choose depending also upon um what you're able to even get into in terms of races and this is very common for a lot of us um in the ultra running community it's you know you're putting your name in the hat for a lot of these lotteries and they're very difficult and like just to get into one of these races like a western states or leadville or um if you're extremely lucky you know hard rock for example and um you sort of build out your goals. You end up building out your goals a lot of the time based off of, um, sort of, okay, you either got in or most of the time you just, you don't. And then you're, you're trying to figure out well, where else can I find like either some amazing adventure, uh, maybe a, a challenge to, to revisit a course where you want to improve uh, your time or you just, it was terrible weather and you want to have a, you know, a good weather experience. You want to go back or, Maybe your friends are are really interested in a race and you want to help support them. Um so there's all kinds of different like motivations. Um but I think uh I think naturally, just like everyone else, I have a, a mix of like liking to go after these sort of unknowns, these uh these big challenge type courses and races, um, more difficulty than just trying to test where those limits are. And, um, and then certainly speed is an element of that, of testing your limit, um, as well as is sleep deprivation. How long can you go without, you know, sleeping? Um, how far can you go without, you know, stopping, um, the longer the distance between, you know, aid stations, the more challenging and so forth. Uh, and then you have really short stuff, which, you know, a 5k or, or something like that, or. And it's a whole presents a whole different like training elements where you're just you're, you're, I mean, it's a whole different type of running um, experience and challenge. So they're all very interesting for sure. Yeah.
0: And you mentioned Candace. I'm assuming you're referring to Candice Burt, who's a, you know, a titan within the sport and putting on so many of these races. Also has a great podcast of her own, I should say. Um, and when you're you, know, you, you talk a lot here about not only personal achievement. And, you know, being able to do things, you know, whether it's, you know, striving to, to do a, you know, a distance you've never done before, or, you know, dealing with sleep deprivation. But you also hinted at the social element too. What, what is the bigger driver for you that the, the personal achievement side or kind of the social venture side? Cause it seems like you've derived a lot of pleasure on both, on both ends here.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I would necessarily pick one over the other. Um, naturally, I think it's um, I'm very competitive with myself, so I'd want to get the best out of myself on any given day. Um, if that was sort of the plan, um, a lot of a lot of my races will are are honestly they're training races where um, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that, but like I honestly just to make time for it and to make it interesting, um, you know I like. Like everyone else, I work full time, you know, 45 hour weeks and to fit in these long training races and runs, training runs, it becomes challenging and it's a lot of fun to do it in a race format. So a lot of times I'm going out there and my goal is to build for something else later in the, in the season, typically. Um, but once once I've decided that it's a, a race that I really want to go after, um, be competitive at, that I will definitely um, you know, put forth that effort and it's really, it's really exciting to try to do that and, and, um, either best, uh, previous time that I've done or, you know, compete for a podium for some of the longer stuff. And, um, and then the, the social stuff is also, I mean, I really, really appreciate the opportunity to, um, to, to be in a supportive role. So whether it be, um, you know, crewing or pacing, um, or, or even just like having conversations with people. I get asked a lot um, via social media or, or just through, you know, different friendships that I built um, for tips and tricks and, and advice in terms of, you know, how to train for longer distances and um, in particular. And, uh, and I enjoy giving that feedback and, and sharing my experience to, to see if it could be helpful for other folks. Uh, who are going after, you know, this similar exciting, you know, adventures. Um, But the community is, is really like what I think keeps us coming back time and time again. Um, It's just a a very encouraging and supportive group, um, trail and ultra running in particular. And, um, you know, we're, we're really lucky in that we've had a chance to travel a bit around um, at least the U S and Canada and some other areas in Europe and, and race there and get a good feel for, um, you know, those communities. And, um, and that's, that's, I mean, that's what it's all about. I think at the end of the day is, is going out and sharing these amazing experiences, sharing the trails and mountains and, um, you know, t- telling, telling our stories of how we battled out there and, and having that common bond. I think it's, a, it's extremely positive too, because we're you know all out there trying to better ourselves for the most part. And, um, try to promote, you know, a healthy, active lifestyle, which I think is a, a real positive. And um, also, you know, supporting the, the health of the, the trails and the, and the parks and, you know, everything that comes along with that, that sort of community. Um, and I, so it's, and of course, the adventure element, you know, the sort of going after something that you haven't done before is extremely um, exciting, at least for me. So uh, a bit of everything.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. That's for sure. And and you know, you, you talked a little bit too about just the challenges that are go along with it and you know, talking with other people about whether you know you're they're learning how to deal with the distance, whether that's in training or at the race, and just the battling that comes with it. And I'd love to talk to you about that because anyone who's listening to this conversation, you know, if they didn't know coming in it's probably getting the the very clear understanding that you're a very positive person, right? I mean, you're you come across that way. I mean, we've never met in person, but you come across that way in social media. It's very clear in this conversation that you're like that. But you know, there are going to be times in these races where you know positivity is not going to be like you know owning the moment for sure. And you all, you you have to battle. You have to work through situations. So, what's it been like for you understanding? pain and discomfort and the ways to subvert pain and discomfort and even more so just the negative self-talk that can so often accompany or work concurrently during those those periods and stretches within a race
1: yeah um i definitely uh i think i'm very lucky uh in that i've i've been fortunate i think just part of my upbringing maybe just part of my natural personality um i I definitely see things as opportunities i see see the glass half full um and i and I'm attracted to that so I will surround myself with people who are similarly um you know minded and um and I think there's nothing wrong with sort of you know having having moments of uh you know where you're dissatisfied with the situation but uh I generally uh will will um, gravitate towards folks who are you know, just trying to make the best of situations and looking to solve problems. And, um, and that kind of energy is, 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 to me, it's infectious. And, and you see people smiling through the pain, smiling through the difficult times. And, and a lot of times I, I feel like you can really, you can kind of really, um, tell a lot about a person like during their most difficult situations and circumstances than, than when they're at their best. It's sort of like, um, to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, t- a very telling measurement. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of times I'll, I'll listen if someone is having moments where, you know, things aren't going right and I'll try to be as encouraging as I can. Um, and then, you know, typically if if that continues, I'll move on and I'll, I'll maybe speed up a little bit. I might take a little break and, and maybe link up with another runner who's just maybe seeing, seeing things uh, in a little more positive light. And it's not to say that like every minute has to be, you know, happy-go-lucky or anything like that. Um, we're all suffering out there. It's it's typically very challenging, depending on the conditions and so forth. And so it's not to dismiss any of that. It's just more I, I feel better in a more positive state of mind. I enjoy it more that way, and I think it helps balance out like the pain that you're going through. I feel like you're giving yourself an a small advantage, you know, if if any, to, to at least keep that um, that part of your I guess your racing uh, system intact. Like you keep your mind from, um, turning on you because I think uh, your body will kind of follow the thoughts of your mind. And I definitely believe in that. Um, and if you, uh, are having sort of low moments, it's, it's good to sort of reset your thinking and really just try to focus on at least one thing that can help you get to the next aid station or help you get through the next, you know, few miles or whatever it is. And, uh, as we all know, like the, these longer distances, you're going to have lows and you're going to have highs and you sort of, you'll go in and out of them. And that's totally normal to be expected. And, um, you just got to keep looking forward to the next high that's going to come, you know, around the corner. And, um, and more often than not, that that ends up being a, um, you know, an enjoyable way to, to battle through you know, challenging parts of a race, for example. Um, and there's a the rare circumstance situation where you might actually have like, quote, unquote, the perfect race. And even in those moments, you're going to have some lows. You're just going to you're going to be able to power through them. And um, I think that's pretty much that's pretty much where I stand on it. I mean, I, I think it's mostly mental. You get to choose how you respond to different situations. Situations don't happen to you. Um you get to still decide uh, what you you d- you what you choose to do next. And I think that's like the extremely powerful part about um, like every situation presented to us, uh, whether it's out on the trail or just, you know, in our everyday uh, lives.
0: And once you battle through an experience and get out the other side, you can use that in the future to say, hey, I remember when I felt like this before and I got through it. So when you have... Um, when you think back to moments where you persevered and got through in a race, is there any particular moment or moments that come to mind first when you think, all right, like this is this was the time where I thought that I couldn't make it or I was really doubting myself or I was in a really negative headspace and I battled through it? Is there a time that really sticks out that, that you can that you can recall that helps you think like, hey, like I I can get through anything because so I got through that that experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think as you, as you sort of go through and experience more races, you're going to have a percentage of them that are, you're, you're going to be presented with challenges you did not expect. Um, I have a, a lot of that. Like, a, there's a lot where I, I either have some sort of injury that I get during the race that I've somehow overcome it. Um, I know I took a really bad Superman at Sean O'Brien a few years back like mile two in the dark, I just caught a toe, I cracked my knee, and it was just like, it was a bad, I was in a bad way, it was terrible weather, it was gnarly, I ended up finishing a hobbling through, I was like, towards the back of the pack, I'm sure of it, um, Dude, I had beginning, the beginning like of
0: races for you, the beginning of races are killer, like mountains to beach, Sean <laughs> O'Brien, it's like, you should just like, skip to the 50 mile mark.
1: It's pretty crazy because it was so dumb. I mean, it's like two miles in. What am I? I don't need to go like, you know, ninety five percent effort while it's like still foggy and dark and like there's people, you know, crowding the single track. It was just silly. Like, so it's just about sometimes being a little bit smarter. Like, you don't need to race out of the gate. You can you can hold back until the the course thins out a little bit. Sometimes, you know, depending on what your goal is for the day, of course. But, um. I've had a few of those scenarios and I'm just like, I know I can get through, um, some really, really bad pain, levels of pain. I can do that, um, for, you know, hundred K, um, I can do that. I've definitely had a few situations where I've been so cold, like hypothermic cold and didn't think I was going to come back. And I literally thought I was, I would have given anything to just get into somebody's car and start the engine and turn on the heater. And that happened in my, my very first 100. And I, I really thought I was going to tap out. It was, like, mile 75. It's, it's this crazy course that they barely had cut some of the trail, like, the days before. And um, it was wind chill, like, negative zero wind chill, like, 40 miles an hour blowing. And it's, like, the middle of the night. It, I mean, it was just bonkers. And somehow rallying from those types of situations, like, in that case, like, I literally drank, like, Four water bottles of boiling hot water to try to get warm, and took out with me on the on the trail, leaving the aid station. All my water bottles were just boiling hot water, which lasted only a few minutes, but it was enough to kind of get me uh, out of hypothermic state, and uh, that was crazy. I had another time where another runner got hypothermic, and I was it was a friend of mine, someone I I knew, and so I started giving him like half of my clothes. And he, I mean, he he didn't have any gear on him. He had just a a, like a thin single singlet and like some tiny shorts. I mean, and I had prepared really well, so I gave him half my stuff. So then we're half freezing, both of us, and then we got lost for ten miles, and then I somehow rallied back, made the cutoff, and like still finished the race. It was insane. That that was another one that I I draw on, Um, and I've had some other ones more recently where you know you just go through weird situations like i hadn't run a whole lot on the east coast before in the humidity and um even this year like for this great eight project um i mean my feet were wrecked at the old dominion hundred miler um the humidity on the west coast where i live in san diego it's like very dry here and we don't have any of that kind of uh situation where you literally will run a couple miles and your your shoes are wet and you haven't gone through any stream crossings or anything it's just a totally different experience same thing with Vir- virginia when i was running out in uh, virginia um that that was what was that for that was for the old dominion then um also in um vermont was extremely humid i've never experienced humidity like that ever i think it was, you know, I was 108 in vermont heat index got- and yeah, I was you in know, Vermont that
0: same weekend. I was, yeah, I wasn't at the race. I was, you know, my I was at visiting a buddy of mine. And I was thinking about you guys. I was like, oh my God, like I don't even want to be outside in a lounge chair right now. Never mind like <laughs> exercising. Like I remember going for a run and being like, I can't be you know, I can't be a pansy right now. Like people are running a lot farther and a lot harder than I am. But it didn't change the fact that it was not fun. Like it didn't change that fact.
1: It was, it was pretty brutal. Um, I literally after one mile, maybe two miles, I was drenched and then five miles in my shoes were wet. And then that was not from crossing any water by foot. That was just pure humidity and sweat. It was just, it was gnarly, um, 45 or 44% finisher rate. Uh, what should be, um, you know, uh, much more finishable, uh, race in terms of the terrain alone. So. Sean, you've,
0: you've, you've done so much and you've experienced so many races. You've, you know, you're, you're friends with a lot of people who have really pushed their limits, uh, over and over again, as you have, what is your, what is your definition of human potential and how has it changed over time?
1: My definition of, of human potential. Yeah. Um, wow. That's really fascinating. I think I think of it generally, I guess on two levels, I think of who who could do something like the best on the planet type of level. So you start thinking about your Elliot Kipchoge for the marathon going after a sub two hour marathon, or you think, I think I would think of someone, you know, breaking I don't know, nine seconds for like a hundred meter um, race, it just, you know, those types of things to me are like, wow, human potential. I think of, uh, sort of like beautiful masterpiece performances, like, um, something that sticks out to me would be like a work of art, like just like putting together some, some adventure that, like, maybe the Appalachian Trail, maybe it's, um, you know, doing a series of, uh, high altitude ascents, like, Linking them all up together, like Nolan's fourteen, um, you know, I would think of uh, you know rock climbing. Alex Honnold. I mean, come on, that might be uh, the most impressive, most astounding achievement in athletic history. Just in terms of a masterpiece of performance. I think of things that inspire me. I, I think of um, you know you know, people who are trying to do double Everest summit within a week. I mean, just crazy without oxygen. I mean, you think of these amazing things. And then I think of myself, I'd say like, what to me is the limit? Like what, where is my current limit today? And what can that teach me about what I could potentially achieve down the road? And so I'm always looking like, I don't know, like any good driver, I'm looking like right in front of me and I'm looking a few cars down the road. Um, and sometimes you're looking in the rear view and kind of thinking about what you've learned from other races, but definitely keeping an eye on sort of that immediate goal and then the, the longer term um, down the road, you know, whether it's how far can I go and how quickly can I do it, or is it can I, you know, can I maybe outthink or out strategize somebody to win a race um, versus, you know, win out of pure. Um, athletic, like skill or raw talent, or something like that. Those types of things are are very fascinating to me. So it, it definitely runs the gamut. I mean, I definitely have a lot of different types of interests across different disciplines, and um, you know, it's it's all to me. It's all very satisfying on different levels for different reasons. I'd say.
0: And I, it seems like consistency for you is not only part of your athletic life, but just part of your life in general. And I'd and love to hear, hear you talk about this in terms of, you know, the, the amplification effect, or that's not even the the, the correct word. Um, but, you know, like, basically you, you, you've like collected interest on con, on your consistency. You know what I mean? Like the thing about it in terms of like, you know, a financial term, right? Like you just, you, just the, the compounding interest of your consistency is remarkable. I say that not only in athletics, but let shoot, man. You've worked as an I, you know, IT in at, at a company for now, what, 16, 17 consecutive years, which is like, again, just like your running streak is like is a remarkable stat. Like you just don't see people, especially in that in that field, working in one company for that long. So what what role has consistency played in your life and why is it something that you have really, you know, brought to bear on so many different aspects of your life?
1: yeah it's really interesting the um the I definitely must clearly value commitment and loyalty, and uh, I don't know necessarily the root cause for for that kind of um hierarchy of values, but I definitely value those very highly. Um, I think that I get a lot out of relationships that can evolve and grow over time and um I definitely have found that there's, there's something about um, there's something about having that commitment that to me allows you that, that view going backwards as well as forwards of of sort of here's, here's this body of work that you can reflect upon. And, um, you know, I think there's also just value and consistency in general, um, in particular, you know, I think you've stumped me to some degree in terms of um, of this particular question. I, I haven't really given that uh, as much thought as I, I probably have, I probably ought to have, um, as I think about it now. But um, I think
0: for some people, part of it isn't simply a matter of um, understanding the value of consistency. Oftentimes, you'll see people will fail to be consistent not because they don't think it's important. But oftentimes because they may see like, oh, man, like like almost like a, a grass is greener on the other side mentality um, again. And I don't mean to portray that as a negative, but like, wow, like look at this exciting new venture or hey, look at like maybe I want to give this a try or maybe like, man, things aren't going great. Maybe if I like change course here again, which could all be you know perfectly reasonable and valuable decisions that could you know spur on someone's life in a new direction. But I think those those can also detract from consistency where you never know how close you may be to getting to a new level if you stick with something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've got a great point there. Um, I, th- I think I've been very fortunate. I'll just I think I've, I've been very lucky in the sense that I found a lot of satisfaction in um, not just like you'd mentioned my my work, my job. I mean, I started essentially in a startup environment and right out of college and had an incredible CEO founder who just, I clicked with, I mean, just someone whose personality melded with mine, whose vision melded with mine. And it was just, um, it felt right, you know? And I think in those situations, you just have to take advantage of, of, um, of that, you know, and, and try to, you know, foster that growth and, and nourish it. And, um, and, uh, give back to it. You know, it's sort of like that, uh, you just continuously work to evolve and improve and, um, and similar to, to ultra running and other areas of life, you're, you're sort of nourishing that, um, that skill or that, um, adventure, that, that potential that you feel like that you have. And so there's, it's just, I think it's nice to be able to, to have, a little bit of consistency. And then on top of it, you're innovating at the same time and evolving. So you're trying some new challenges out. You're, you're taking on a new project. um, You know, you're taking on an adventure. um, And so there's, there's definitely variables within that sort of baseline consistency, but that baseline consistency gives you the opportunity in many cases to, to really go after those, those big projects, those big goals, um, adventures that you're looking for. And, and for me, that, that run streak, the running every day is really that base. And, um, I feel like year round, I can go after, you know, pretty much any distance or, or any challenge and at least give it, uh, and go after it, you know, and depending on the amount of time I have and, and commitments, um, you know, maybe be able to put in, um, a, a pretty good amount of training to try to turn the dial or make a change or, um, innovate in some kind of way that would be, you know, like a, a goal type of, uh, initiative for me. So I think there's definitely a positive, And I think there's also positive in, in seeking out change and, and, and having that sort of introspection and self-evaluation and making adjustments. And, um, sometimes you're able to do that in the same place, in the same business, um, in the same relationship. And sometimes, you know, you, you need to grow and evolve and, um, and, or make a more drastic change or something like that. And, um, I don't think there's necessarily a, a wrong way about it. I, I just feel very fortunate to, to have a lot of those things, um, you know, last for quite a while and, and still be very uh, satisfied and uh, challenged at the same time. Sean,
0: thank you so much for coming on the show. I could listen to you talk for hours, but I'm not going to subject you to, conver- to that many questions. So, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the show. This episode will probably uh, air in about a week and a half or so. So, what's what's on your immediate calendar, um, I say, say, over the next you know, week or so?
1: Yeah. Um, well, th- thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Um, any, anytime you want to chat, I'm, I'm uh, more than happy to. And uh, next up is Leadville. So, um, you know, it's uh, race number five of the... The great eight, um, actually, is it five or is it six? Oh, my gosh, I'm losing track. Uh, I'm going to go six, six of the great eight. Yeah, and um, it's going to be an interesting stretch. I got Leadville this weekend, and then um, literally going out to UTMB a few days later. Uh, we'll be in Switzerland, uh, Chamonix, running UTMB, and then a week later coming back, running Wasatch 100. And then a week after that, uh, towing the line at Tahoe 200 for my sixth Tahoe 200. So that's going to be a pretty awesome five, four week stretch, five weekend stretch. Uh, We'll have a lot going on. (laughs) Sean,
0: you are an absolute beast. I like. I want to record another podcast a month from now just to hear how this all goes. You are just, you're just doing amazing things, man. It really is. uh, Shoot, I think I think inspiration and motivation. It only takes so much so far, you know, it, 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 pales in comparison to, to internal drive, but nonetheless, it's, they're real. And, and this conversation really speaks to that. So thank you for sharing all of this. It's so greatly appreciated.
1: And hey, my pleasure. A- anytime, uh, I'd be happy to circle back and, uh, talk, uh, talk some running again. <laughs> all right. See you later, Sean. All right. Cool. Thanks.
0: Sean, thank you so much for hopping on this show. What an absolute stud. Good grief. You hear people like this and you think to yourself, okay, academically, I can see the progression. I can see how this this career has come to fruition, you know, kind of in the moment. And then when you take a step back and I record these intros and outros, usually a couple of days after I, re- I do the conversations, and I think back to the conversation that was had and I think to myself, wait, I, I, it still hasn't sunk in. How is he able to do all of this stuff? It really is truly remarkable. Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. Also, big ups to our sponsors today, Ragnar Relays, Megaton Coffee, and TuneUp CBD. If you were at all interested in any of these companies, I cannot recommend them highly enough. Their reputation perceives them, and I'm just so excited that they can be part of this journey. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the Rambling Runner podcast. I can't thank you enough. Also, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to my other podcast, Road to the Olympic Trials, where we are documenting the training and racing of eight of America's best marathoners as they get ready for the Olympic Trials in Atlanta next February. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to MetaP for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah